Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? I'm all right. Uh, Back pessimistic today. Woke up optimistic. Back pessimistic. Well, of course, this episode, like all episodes of Locked On Bama and all things Locked On, is brought to you by Rock Auto, and we'll talk about them in just a little bit. Uh, Jimmy, let's start out with something um, good newsy versus something bad newsy. The good newsy is that Damon Payne did, in fact, commit to Alabama. Uh, the monstrous defensive tackle from Michigan, the number one player in the state of Michigan, a five-star, uh, not consensus five-star, but a lot of people think he'll wind up that way. Huge get for Alabama, and it just pushes their recruiting even that much more towards the top. Yeah, this class is totally absurd. I mean, it, it, it literally could end up being the best saving class ever. Uh, you know, I, I, I keep a little formula to, to make that determination on my own, even though I'm a big fan of the work they do at 24-7 Sports. And then how they go about the rankings, I'm a big fan of that. I don't dispute any of it. I just kind of keep my own thing, and I have since 1990. And I'm just telling you guys, as of now, we're, we're on pace to sign the best class of all the Saban classes. And I fully realize the, what that means. I mean, it's kind of like saying it's the best Celtics team of all time. It's the best, it's the best um, New England Patriots team under with Tom Brady at quarterback. I mean, it's, it, it, it literally is saying it may be the best recruiting class ever signed by any college ever. That may be what that's saying when you're saying it's the best class Nick Saban has signed. But I'm telling you guys, we, we're, we are on a path but now let's see who the next couple commitments are. And if they aren't from kids as quite highly rated, then uh, then that could change a little bit. But that but that's okay. Just because they're not super highly rated by the recruiting industry doesn't mean that they aren't super highly rated by the Alabama coaching staff, which is all that matters. I do like that you have your own ranking system. I assume that's a lot like Shroot Bucks from The Office, if you were a fan of The Office. Uh <laughs> I'll give you 17 yes. Jimmy dollars for 22 shrewd bucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it is uh, like that. Uh, Damon Payne really is very, very good. And if you just watch his tape, he swallows people whole. Um, in fact, when I watched his, his highlight reel, um, I really did have to wonder how in the world does somebody not have him a five star? Right. I mean, uh, he, he was a guy I heard months ago that Alabama had a great chance to sign. So I watched the tape months ago. I've watched it multiple times since then. Basically, I mean, this part is a a bit of an exaggeration, but it's just the best way I can explain it. He's just about as good as a defensive tackle prospect gets on tape. I mean, it doesn't get much better. I mean, he's got plus length. He's got plus size. He's got plus athleticism. His motor is great. He's clearly an athlete. Most kids that are built like him are stiff. He's not stiff. He's an athlete. He has change of direction. He plays with power. He's going to be academically eligible. He was offered by everybody that plays college football. He's a good kid. He checks every single box. In most boxes, it's not just a check. It's an it's an A+. Plus. Uh, he's just basically as good as it gets. I suppose we could invent a better defensive tackle prospect, but he, he he's as good as it gets. There's not a a negative. There's not a negative. Now, you know, I'm not sure what he plays against, 
but that's not as important as all those other boxes because because he checks all the other boxes, it really doesn't matter who he plays against because he's going to be bigger, stronger, faster than than even if he played at modern day or, or St. Thomas Aquinas or Hoover, he's still going to be bigger, faster <laughs> than all the other kids. So, uh, yeah, just a huge get for Alabama. And now it's kind of fun. Uh, I haven't made firm decisions myself, but I mean, but how do you rank these these kids committed to Alabama in terms of who do you rank number one? Is it Tommy Brockermeyer? Is it J.C. Latham? Is it Damon Payne? Is it Dallas Turner? Is it Ja'Cory Brooks who may be who may end up the number one receiver in the nation in this class? So unbelievable group Saban's put together. And the reason it's unbelievable, Luke, isn't necessarily because of all these five stars at the top, although that's a good a reason as any. The reason to me it's a great class is because there's there's no dead wood here. There's no there isn't a lot of head scratching, like, why do we take this guy? He's not, he's not really recruited by a lot of schools. Why would no, there's there's not really much of that. There's there's two or three kids you could argue now that like, eh, you know, maybe we could do better. But there is no one in this class that is not a good SEC prospect. And that's why I have the class rate ranked so highly. It's not just the kids at the top. It's just this class doesn't really have much of a bottom. No, that's a that's a really good point. I mean, but the ceiling is still very high. I mean, a lot of times when you say, okay, this class doesn't, this class has a, a, a high floor and maybe, but you infer or you imply that it has a um a low ceiling. I think this class yeah. has a high floor and a high ceiling. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously I think some things to make this class end up being number one, which is going to be tough to overtake uh, Ohio state. There's no doubt about it, but um, if, if that were to happen, I think, it, you know, you got to get Kool-Aid McKinstry and some of these other guys that, you know, we talk about all the time on this podcast. Kool-Aid did a big interview with Keith Niebuhr of the uh, Auburn 24-7 site. And, of course, it was very Auburn slanted. Um, but I still get the sense he's he's pretty much up in the air. Uh, it, could, it could go really any one of three ways. He came down to his final three of LSU, Alabama, and uh, Auburn, as, as everybody knows. So that could go anywhere. And speaking of going anywhere, you could go anywhere, but you need to go to rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is where you want to go. You don't want to just go anywhere. That'd be kind of silly, especially when rockauto.com has everything you need for all of your car parts and all of your car needs. Uh, they sell things like oil and they have all kinds of tips and, and tricks of the trade. And they just want to help you out. They're just good, good people. Rock Auto sponsors all things locked on. So please go check them out. R-O-C-K-A-U-T-O dot com. And tell them that you heard about Rock Auto from the Locked On Network. It would be greatly appreciated. And again, if you need a chassis, a windshield wiper, uh, a, a floor mat, uh, exhaust pipe for a 72 Mustang. I don't even know if they made Mustangs in 72. I'm going to assume they did. I'm not a car I think person. they did. I'm going to go with yes. That's okay. from my NASCAR knowledge. I'm a new NASCAR fan, and heck, I might be about to become the biggest NASCAR fan in America if that's the only sport being played soon. So instead of uh, Ricky Bobby, you can be Jimmy Timmy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, rockauto.com. Go check them out ASAP. So, Jimmy, one thing that um, – is interesting about Damon Payne's commitment. It got me to thinking, okay, where has Alabama signed the number, what states has Alabama signed the number one prospect from since Saban's been there? Wow. And 
it's it's really interesting. Um, it's it's a little bit less than I thought, uh, but it's because a couple of times somebody like a, a Cam Robinson apparently wasn't the number one player in Louisiana his year. So Alabama has not signed the number one player in Louisiana under Saban, according to 24 uh, seven that I, I was able to discern. That's stunning. It is a little stunning considering we've signed some right. true badasses from there. And I also did not see where we had signed the number one player from Tennessee, even though, I, I mean, also again, I, I'm, I did a very cursory search of all this. Right. So somebody may be able to prove me wrong, but, um, and we also have not signed the number one player from Mississippi. That's less stunning. <laughs> well, but we understand we have not yeah. rated Mississippi. You know, Mississippi was Gene Stallings' bread and butter, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. And we have not gone after Mississippi that hard. Now, I say we haven't gone after it that hard. When DK Metcalf and AJ Green were there, I'm sure we were just we thought we had AJ right. Green, not AJ Green, AJ Green. Yeah. Yeah, we've recruited the number one player in Mississippi pretty much every year. We just haven't been able to land him. We did right. when Stallings was there. Everyone's so, free to uh, everyone's free to theorize. But here are the states that I was able to figure out that we have signed the top prospects from. And this is it's really interesting. Um, so let's go down the list here. Um, Michigan, obviously, we hadn't signed him yet, but he just committed. Um, Alabama, obviously. I mean, we've done that multiple times. Uh, Florida. Which That's amazing. Richardson. And it's amazing. Yeah. Um, Florida's been a couple of times, I think, but Trent Richardson. Considering the competition to sign kids out of Florida, it's amazing. Um, Virginia. Also incredible because it's not in Alabama's traditional footprint. Uh, Maryland. Unbelievable credit. Credit probably Mike Loxley and Tosh Lupoy. Pennsylvania. (laughs) Was that Robert Foster, I guess? Yeah. Uh, He was overrated. But, yeah, but he was the number one kid there. Um, Kentucky? Pretty amazing, although, we've, you know, we, I think we've done that in the past. It's just not a football state, so that's less surprising. Um, Texas? Uh, obviously, that's Brockermeyer. Crazy, crazy that, that it would even be remotely possible for Alabama to sign the number one player in Texas. Crazy. California? Even crazier, but yet that's the world we're living in. I credit Tosh with that back in the day, but now Sark, you know, Sark, Sark has, you know, Bryce Young. And I mean, Sark, Sark has numerous California ties. And uh, yeah, we've, we've just had a, a coach there with extensive connections to California. But it is amazing. I mean, the number one player in the nation and number one player in the state of California, Sam with Alabama, is crazy. But here we are. Okay, uh, and then Hawaii. I've got New, New Hawaii. Jersey, Did you, Hawaii. Did you say Hawaii? I, I was about to. You stole my thunder. <laughs> Hawaii is what immediately leapt to mind. Um, um, yeah, New Jersey, Jersey, obviously. That's Alfano, I guess. Uh, and Minka. 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 Heck, Anthony Averett was pretty highly rated, although I doubt he was number one. Uh, Fitz, uh, man, what a, what, a, what a player, what a dude Fitzpatrick is. Alfano is obviously – a bust. Heck, they even call him a bust to Colorado. Okay, and then obviously Hawaii, and then did I say South Carolina with Christian Miller? You did not say South Carolina, but that's that's stunning too. It's a little stunning Christian Miller was rated that high in retrospect. 
And I say that not because he wasn't a good player, but Christian Miller didn't play much at Alabama for the first two or three years because we're trying to put size on him. So it's crazy that a kid that struggled to get big enough, you know, was the number one prospect in a state. Uh, but, you know, he's still in the NFL and was a really good player at Alabama. So many kids at Alabama are better than we know because they don't get a great opportunity because they have some sort of freak in front of them. You know, and, and who knows how good Christian Miller would have been if he played every snap for three seasons. But it was hard for him to get on the field. We had too many good players. Um, so, yeah, I just found that to be fascinating. The it was. Good work there. That, uh, that we've gotten from, you know, during Saban's tenure. And, you know, it is weird, though, <clears throat> not many from the, the southeast region. I mean, you know, Florida, obviously, and South Carolina and Alabama. But to not have Mississippi, Georgia, um, <laughs> North Carolina even, I mean, if you want to throw them in there, or or Louisiana or Tennessee or Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas doesn't have a ton of prospects every year. So, um, But I, I just found that to be quite fascinating and to reach all the way out to Hawaii, et cetera. I mean, this is pretty remarkable. Jimmy, let's go ahead and take one more break. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk about all the negativity going on. So, Jimmy, it looks like a lot of the most of the Florida Marlins have contracted the COVID and uh, leave it up to the Florida Marlins to blow sports for everybody. Um, <laughs> and it, it's not a good sign. It's not a good sign at all. Well, to me, to me, the sign is this. What does Major League Baseball do about it and what precedent does it set for the other sports? But this is just a fact and this is the most depressing thought of, of it at all. Okay. And again, you know, I'm sure people are going to be upset about this, but don't take it up with me. Take it up with the virus or take it up with doctors, of which I'm not. And I'm not complaining. I'm just stating what the reality is. If what we're going to do in sports, Luke, is test guys and when they're positive, we tell them, okay, you got to stay away from the team and quarantine until you have two negative tests. And that's what we're going to do. Then we can play all these sports. We can play all the sports, including baseball. The Marlins can play tonight. They just they just need more players. But but the Marlins have you know ninety players in their organization, maybe a hundred players, not just twelve or fourteen. So the Marlins can sc- scramble together a team even tonight, and no one on that field or dugout will have tested positive. And, and this isn't a big thing. But here's what the doctors are sort of mandating, or what all the leagues are following, including college football. The problem isn't the 12 players that test positive. The problem is they're quarantining everyone those 12 players have come in contact with, which is pretty much everyone. And all those players are getting tested. But the fact of the matter is, if we're going to quarantine through contact tracing and quarantine those with contact, then how in the hell can we play football? We can't. You can't. Jimmy, that's not yeah, yeah. That's not You can't. Yeah. Is, is that um, it's okay? It's one thing you're right. This doesn't happen in a vacuum. So if if it's one thing to say, okay, these 14 guys have it, well, just put them in quarantine. And just, you still hadn't solved the issue, and and see that's where I, I'm having having such a problem with all this. Either we're going to say this is something we're going to get, some people are going to get, and we deal with this, or we need to shut down everything. We, I mean, I mean, I'm everything. That's the way it seems. It has to be, you know. Everybody needs to have a mask ordinance, or nobody does. I mean, everybody needs to say we're not playing sports, or everybody play. 
And I understand their risks associated with playing, but they're also risks associated with not playing. I'm not saying which one's right and which one's wrong. I'm just saying that baseball has opened up. Canada even said, look, Toronto, y'all got to find somewhere else to play. Y'all can be the Pittsburgh Blue Jays or the, you know, Topeka Blue Jays or whatever the hell y'all want to be for a year, but at least a year, but y'all aren't playing up here. And maybe Canada's got it right. I don't know. I, again, I'm not advocating shutting down football. I'm, I lean more towards, hey, let's get out there and we got to deal with it. But the problem with my theory, the problem with my way of doing it, is everybody could perish. And so I'm not sure. That is a problem. That is a hiccup. It is That's just me being a, um, a relatively healthy under 50 year old guy who has not contracted this and is probably less likely to get it saying, Hey, no big deal. Let's everybody go out there and do our thing. I understand that that's not being very empathetic to those who may get it. Um, but my, my thing is this is, this was my biggest fear is that baseball start up and something like this happens and everybody goes, Oh shit. And right. then we really shut it all down, which is maybe what we need to do again. I'm talking in circles. Right. I understand that. But boy, I, I, I'm to the point of, hey, either we need to be like whatever happens with this thing happens, or we need to say let's let's really shut down everything well, again. Well, and, and and to me, I'm getting more towards the specifics of what the rules are in baseball and what the rules are in college football. And what I'm saying is, we can play this season. We can play college football this season if the rule is this. You know, you're you're always testing your players. And Bryce Young comes back positive, which or, or let, let's say Mac Jones is the quarterback. Mac comes back positive. Okay, so we got a positive test from Mac. That means he's got to go in quarantine. That's fine. That's bad luck for us because he's a starting quarterback. But Mac has to sit out for for however many days it takes for him to test negative twice. So he's out. We can still play football, though. We can still play football. Where we can't play football is if the rule is this. Mac tested positive on a Tuesday, and yesterday he was in the quarterback room with all of the quarterbacks watching film with the quarterback coach. So Sark, you're in quarantine. Bryce, you're in quarantine. Paul Tite, anyone in that room is quarantined for 10 days or 14 days. If that's going to be the rule, then you can't play football. We can't Agreed. play. We can't play. We can play without Mac, but we can't play with the whole quarterback room quarantine. And that's why I'm looking at this Marlin situation, Luke. It's like, you know, as devastating as it is to lose 12 of your 30 active players, and as devastating as that is for the Marlins' chances to win games, the Marlins could still play. Now, here's where the Marlins can't play, is if the rule is, all right, everybody that those 12 players have been in contact with, you're in quarantine too, and it doesn't matter if you are testing negative. It doesn't matter. If that's the rule, then you just can't play sports. We're literally wasting our time. We're wasting time and effort that should be spent on the vaccine because we're just not going to play sports if we have to. And I'm not saying you don't have to, Luke. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to substitute my judgment for the judgment of epidemiologists if, if you know they need to be in charge not me not politicians but the doctors and if the doctors say this is what needs to happen to keep us as safe as possible then okay 
but stop teasing me with we can play sports because we can't. If we have to quarantine players through contact tracing, who have tested negative? See, because I think, to me, it just seems like the solution is, holy shit, we need to do a rapid test of every other Marlin to make sure that we've got all the positive guys away from the team in quarantine. But if everyone else has tested negative, then you can play tonight. Because why should you be quarantined if you're testing negative? But if doctors but, but are I saying, agree with you. <laughs> but if doctors are saying, hey, I don't care that he tested negative, he, he could still be carrying and test Correct. negative. I don't, I don't know how that's possible. I don't, I don't know, but I'm, I'm an idiot. I don't know. But that's just my whole point. If we're doing contact tracing to the point of, hey, everybody's got to be in quarantine for 10 days, and we could care less if you've tested negative, well, then you can't play sports. We can't play sports. And we damn sure can't play football. Michigan State's entire football team is in quarantine right now because that's what they're going by. They only had two positive tests. But the whole team was in the work. The whole team was in the weight room when those two guys were in there. So they quarantined the whole football team for 14 days. And I'm like, I get the caution, but you can't play a season if that's going to be the rule. No, I agree. But oddly, uh, you know, Rutgers also is in quarantine and their uh, yards per game went up by six yards. <laughs> yeah, I noticed the uh, Vegas board uh, didn't shift when, new, when news that the entire football team was going to be in quarantine their uh, one loss number on the Vegas boards went up. Hey, Rutgers, you know that meme of the guy like tapping the side of his head where it's like I'm, I'm thinking uh, on my feet here? Um, Rutgers like, you can't lose 11 games if you only play 10. <laughs> but anyway, um, so, yeah, I'm very pessimistic today, which sucks because I woke up very optimistic uh, based in part on baseball. Hey, baseball's going great. They played games. Everybody's good and – they got a plan and seems to be working and everybody's got a COVID guy or two, but they worked rules around it. And, but boy, then the Marlins news comes and it's like cold towel snapped in your face. But you know, they also postponed the Yankees and Phillies just a minute ago too, because the Phillies were playing the Marlins. So the Phillies have been in contact with the Marlins. And it's just like you said, I mean, if you're going to go down this rabbit hole, it'll never stop. And, and so Again, my question is, everybody says, okay, if everybody wore a mask and if we shut down the country for a month, we could get rid of this thing. If that is true, we probably should have done that. Although I would say I was not for it when it came about because I, I have sort of been, hey, you know, it doesn't, I can't tell how big a deal this is, but it's obviously a big deal. Um, it's obviously very scary. but. We can't bring back sports in this half-ass fashion. We will never get them back off the ground the way we need to. Yep. So, um, it's well, depressing. Bad. It's depressing, but uh, I know every effort will be made to play because there's so much money at stake, and it's so inconvenient does not begin to sum up what would happen if there were just no college football. It would be devastating, especially to other sports that football pays for. And uh, just devastating, but I guess uh, guess what? Global pandemics uh, they tend to be devastating. They do. Um, you know, again, leave it to the damn Marlins. Marlins. Um, well, Jimmy, that'll do it for this episode. And you know, we're going to find out that that uh, the, the initial Marlin that got sick and spread it to everybody had totally violated protocol, 
gone to some strip club and ordered chicken wings like the the NBA guy. Yeah, Lou. Williams. I mean, we're, we're we're gonna find out the Marlins got sick because somebody grossly violated protocol. I bet that's what we find. That is what's sucky though. Lou Williams apparently went to some kind of club. The club is called Magic City or something like that, and uh, I think it is a strip club. I'm not 100 percent sure. I haven't looked into it, it much. Is. He said he was ordering food. Yep. Nobody has ever ordered food from a strip. Nobody's ever going, you know who's got the best food? Cheetah 3 in Atlanta. <laughs> no, but I will say uh, many moons ago, like 91, 90, 1990, 91, somewhere in there, maybe 89, um, U2 was on tour, and uh, I'm not a concert guy. Let me go ahead and throw that out there. But uh, my parents... My mom and my dad took me and I think a, a buddy of mine and maybe our brothers. I can't remember who all went. And they dropped us off in Atlanta at the Omni to watch you too. And dad said to mom, I got a great place for us to have a steak. And she said, awesome. And he took her to Cheetah 3. And um, she realized very quickly that she was the only woman in there that had a steak <laughs> clothing on. Um, but dad said the steak was great. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so anywho um, no yeah, i understand uh, i understand that strip club in atlanta they, they serve different types of wings and one type of wings that they serve is literally named after lou williams because he eats there all the time <laughs> so the lou will the lou will uh lemon the lou will lemon pepper chicken well i tell you what i don't know about their wings but their breasts and thighs are awesome <laughs> Ding, ding. Ask Lou Will. Ask Lou Will. So, so the whole thing is just nuts because, I mean, it just makes the guy, obviously, the fact that you throw in the strip club story on top of it, it makes him public enemy number one. But he literally ruined the NBA bubble because he, he went into a strip club despite all of the NBA's. If you're an NBA player and you went to extreme inconvenience to comply with all the bubble rules, and now Lou Will goes to a strip club to order chicken wings. You got to be like, you're nuts. Oh, but I think what's even funnier, they're, they're, I wish Dave Chappelle could do a skit about this, about how apparently Lou Williams, like his story was, I went in there to get food. Like, how shallow do you have to be to think you're lying about this with this multi-billion dollar operation hinges on the fact that you have to stay in this bubble and you go to a strip club and then you your lie is i love their food so much i couldn't stand it and like they immediately call you out on this and you're like i did not think this lie all the way through like people would have respected you more to say hey man i i just i i like i like those little twirly things they wear (laughs) uh and uh Instead, his lie was, I just dig their chicken wings that much that I ripped the the health and wealth of a multi-billion dollar organization for chicken wings. <laughs> I bet the line, I bet the line at that place to try the chicken wings this week is <laughs> for real. Well, think about Magic City now. I mean, That's what kind of advertising could make? You know, That's the best advertising they've ever had. Wings, ever. for the breast. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're they're the one. They're going to make more money than the NBA this week. Oh God! All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Bama. Everybody, we will be back shortly, hopefully, with another uh, 
commitment. I hope I don't no no guarantees, but Tino Sinceri sort of has dropped some ambiguous hints out there that potentially we could be. Yeah, I'd look for uh, maybe William Parker, maybe Robbie Ouse. Yeah, I would uh, guess those two could be on board soon. All right, buddy, roll tide. Roll tide.